Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 53. Now we see if you walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 has told us, if you walk in the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit is produced in your life. And God made a way for us to have peace in the middle of a storm. Now see, the Bible says that the kind of peace that God gives passes all human comprehension. The world cannot understand why a Christian can have peace in the middle of a storm and when things are going on all around us and they will even say to us, I don't know how you just don't fall apart. See, what they don't know is if we were walking Uh, uh, in the flesh, we would fall apart. But because we walk in the Spirit, God holds us together and we're on a firm foundation and He holds us up and we don't fall apart. But you see, I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more I want His peace in my life. You know, used to, I would want to strive with people if if they didn't agree with me. Used to, you know, I I would just want to get with somebody if if they didn't see things the way that I did or I felt like they needed to see a little bit more than what they were seeing. You know, I might want to strive and, and maybe you can identify with that and you might want to bicker and cause division and things like that. Well, that's not what you set out to do, but that's what the product of, of your actions are. It causes those things. But you know, the older I get and the more I walk with the Lord, the more I desire this peace that passes all understanding. And even though there may be lots of things, you know, when you pastor, there's lots of things going on around you all the time. Every, you hear a lot of difficulties and challenges and problems that people are going through. And see, if you're not careful, you will let that get on you and you won't be able to walk in the peace that God has given you. You cannot help other people if you are tormented yourself. See, it would do no good for me as a minister of the gospel if I didn't know how to lay hold of this peace that we're talking about tonight because I would live in constant frustration and, and worry and anxiety and that is not what God wants you to do with your life. Whether you're in the ministry or you're out of the ministry, it doesn't matter. God does not want you to live with worry, frustration, anxiety and just the cares of this world loading up your wagon. That is not the way that God wants us to live. So I desire and I crave that peace I love it when I have that peace. But you know what? I've also learned what leads me out of peace. I've learned what leads me out of peace. And I want to step back in to the peace of God. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is called our prince of what? Prince of peace. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful description of Jesus Christ? And then the Bible says that our Heavenly Father is the God of peace. And then if you read through the New Testament, a lot of the epistles, how does it start out? Peace and love and mercy and all all these things be multiplied to you. Peace in the name of Jesus. See, I don't think that that is just happenstance. I think that God is saying, my children in a world that is in turmoil, when anxiety is all around you, when people are in fear and they're afraid, you can have my peace. Peace not just be handed to you. Peace not just be given to you, but be multiplied to you. I like a multiplication of peace in my life, don't you? God wants us to live that way. And you know, Jesus was a great example. Do you remember when he was out on the lake with his disciples and the water, you know, was rough and they woke him up? Don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? 
He cared for them in that he loved them, but as far as taking worry on himself about it, no. He just got up and he said to the storm, peace, be still. Peace, spoke peace over a storm. Well, you know what that tells me and tells you? That we can speak peace in a storm too. Peace, be still. Now, I told you to turn to Isaiah 53. I want us to read here. And, and this is talking about Jesus' sacrifice for us at the cross. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief or sickness. And he hid as it were, and we hid as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We didn't really know what Jesus was doing. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, our sickness and diseases, our stress and distress. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. The people that looked upon Jesus just thought God was doing that to him. But you see, without Jesus taking our sickness and disease and distress upon himself, we would have to carry that. We would have to carry our sin. But Jesus bore that and the people did not, they didn't have spiritual discernment to look and see that he was doing all of that for us. He took our sin that we didn't have to carry our sin. He took our sickness and disease that we don't have to carry it. He took our distress so that we can have the peace of God. Amen. Now look at this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement or correction of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, the correction of our peace was upon him. In other words, he took all the distress, all the torment, all the worry, all the anxiety. He took it so that we could have his peace. The correction of our peace was upon him. Now, if you look at the word peace there, that word is shalom. Shalom means prosperity, whole life prosperity. That means prosperity in your spirit. You're heaven bound. You're blessed upon the earth. When you live here, you're blessed in your body. You're blessed in your mind. You're blessed in your emotions. God said, shalom, peace. You're, the correction of your peace was taken by Jesus Christ on that cross. And so we can receive that shalom, peace, prosperity in every level of life. Spirit, soul, and body. Yet we as God's people, we live like we don't have that provision, but yet we do. See, we've got to be people that walk in the Spirit, that live by the Spirit, that are motivated and controlled by the Spirit, that have a vision that, that sees by the Spirit. Instead of seeing our circumstances, if you want your circumstances changed, then you've got to see something different with the eye of the Spirit. And if you, if you have a lack of peace, you have a lack of provision, a lack of whatever, God said shalom to you and over you. And so when we see that, it's a wonderful thing. Now when you look in the New Testament uh, and you look at peace, it's, it's the same thing really. Uh, as this shalom peace in the New Testament. But, but really, too, it denotes that it's a better way of life. Peace is a better way of life. Peace is a better way to live. Peace will keep you healthier. Peace will keep you stable emotionally instead of a roller coaster. Peace will keep you steady and anchored in your spiritual life. Peace is a powerful thing. And maybe you've never looked at it before, but tonight we're going to try to at least get into it a little bit. We probably won't. There's so much that the Bible has to say. There's no way that we can say, you know, it in a complete way, but we're going to touch as much as we can. Amen? All right. Uh, it also means welfare. What does welfare mean? It's a state of thriving or, you know, um, 
progress or well-being, if you will. Benefit. It's all those things. That's what peace is. Peace also means quietness and rest. You know, there's just sometimes you need that peace. I, I'll get in my car sometimes and I have, you know, I have the Bible on CD. I've got, you know, uh, my messages. I'm listening to a series in the car, somebody uh, uh, preaching. I've got my Hillsong uh, music, all of that. Okay, what am I going to listen to? And there's just sometimes just... It's just, I'm just going to be at peace here. Not that those things don't bring peace, but I just want the quietness of the time. I just want the rest at the time. I don't want to hear anything else. Maybe just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me or to speak to me. But I don't want other things outside coming in. Now, I know lots of people probably are not that way. And so I'm not saying that's what you need to do. I'm just telling you what I do sometimes. And then other times I want to crank it up and I want, you know... Uh, a song just, you know, where I can just dance around in my car while I'm driving down the road or worship the Lord, whatever it may be, you know. So there's times like that. But the peace and quietness, that means a lot, doesn't it? Webster's talks about peace as being uh, really peaceable, being cool, composed, collected, constant, steady, a state of security, order within, freedom from Uh, oppressive thoughts or emotions. Now, I like that. Freedom from oppressive thoughts and emotions. When you are at peace and you are living peaceable, you can live free of those oppressive thoughts and emotions. Some people are, are imprisoned by the thoughts that run through their head. And they just think, well, there's not really anything that I can do about it. I want to tell you, you know, the Bible tells us many ways to deal with thoughts, but I'm going to tell you the peace of Jesus can cast out those thoughts and oppressive, uh, demonic, stronghold thoughts that try to come to us and hold us. You know, somebody said, well, you know, I thought it, I must be that way. I thought it, I guess this is going to happen. No, it doesn't have to. The Bible tells us what to do with those thoughts. He said, cast those thoughts down. You know what that means? You don't accept it. You don't say, well, I guess that's the way it has to be. That's just who I am. No, you cast it. You hurl it. You throw it away from you as far as you can get it. And then you receive God's peace into your life to help stabilize you, to make you steady, to establish you, to cause you to be cool, calm, and collected, not sweating it. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. In Romans 5.1, it says here, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified or made righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I can think of no greater thing than having a peace with God. I know what it's like to not have peace with God. I spent a few years of my early uh, teenage into my early 20s, I spent a, a good deal of time inside just there was a war going on I didn't have peace with God I didn't have that peace because I thought there was something else I needed to do to be born again when all I had to do is by faith accept the Lord Jesus and then I have peace through the blood of Jesus Christ and you have peace through the blood of Jesus Christ that comes to you, that brings assurance that you belong to God. And you don't have to be tormented like I was for years. But you see, I was ignorant. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. I belong to the Lord. And I did not know that I could have that assurance if I did what he said, which I had, that I could have this peace. That comes through the blood of Jesus. And I can remember going to bed at night and thinking, oh my God, if I were to die, I would go to hell. 
And all that was was torment. You see, I can know that I know the Lord and have that peace with God. Amen? Colossians 1.20 says, Having made peace through the blood, I just referred to that, of his cross. He made peace with man through the Father God, through Jesus Christ, giving his blood. And we can have peace in our relationship with him. Amen? Now that might not mean a lot to you, but it means a whole lot to me. And to many people, it, it really resonates, I know, tonight. In some sense of peace... Because of the sins being forgiven and assurance pardoned, this peace will take you where you need to go. Because your sins are forgiven, because you've been pardoned, it brings a sense of peace. Now, I want to say this to you. What happens then when we get to that sense of peace? Oh, yeah, then, you know, then I got okay with that. I knew I was right with God. You know, I finally worked my way through that. And then, though, for anything else in life, you have to ask yourself, I had to ask myself, okay, I got the peace through the cross, uh, and and, uh, I, I received all that, the peace through the blood of Jesus, knowing that I'm going to heaven, but how about this peace for life, living life, and, you know, just going through what I go through in life? What about that? Does that mean that I check my peace at the door of salvation and that's it? No, it goes on into life. Every area of your life, you can have peace. But you see, many times Christians say, I know I'm going to heaven, so I have peace about that. But they live with worry, fear, torment, anxiety the rest of their life until they go to heaven. Well, see, God said, I've got shalom, peace for you. Spirit, soul, body, your emotions, your... Your very being, your mind, I've got peace for you. There are people today that, that are in the insane asylums. They're there because they're tormented and they couldn't get peace. And all the time said, God says, my peace I give to you. It's not, you don't have to earn it, I give it to you. Not only that, I've left it here for you. I've gone to heaven, I've sent the Holy Spirit, and I've left peace for you. And so what do we have to do? We have to receive that peace. And it's just like anything else that we receive from God. When I finally realized that I could have peace about going to heaven, do you know how I got it? I had to receive the scripture and what the Bible said. It's no different in this area of your life. You've got to receive what the scripture says. Amen? So we can ask ourselves, is our life marked with fretfulness, anxiety, and worry? And then if, if we answer that truthfully and we come back with, yes, it is marked with those things, then this message tonight can really be of great benefit for you. And you can lo- leave this place not the same as when you came in. Amen? I want you to turn to Luke, Luke 21. Uh, Luke 21 and verse number 10 and 11. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall, shall there be from heaven. Now anybody know what that description is of? The end times. And he's talking about there, there's going to be war, there's going to be famine, there's going to be earthquakes. We know that there is, uh, in the 20th century, there was such a great increase of earthquakes, and it carries on into this century too. And and before that time, of course, there were earthquakes, but not anything like that started happening in the 20th century. You know what that says? It's getting closer and closer and closer. Okay, now let's keep reading. All these things are signs of the end times. Now, if we just looked at that and we saw, you know, there are all these famines, earthquakes, wars, kingdom against kingdom, you know, this religion against that religion and all that. You know what happens? We get fretful. We start worrying. We're afraid. But now let's go on. Verse number 20. 
5. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Principalities, uh, the principalities and powers of darkness are going to be shaken in the last days. There's no doubt about that. And he goes on to say, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Now I want you to look at that. He's telling us that all of these things, the wars, the earthquakes, the famine, all these things are going to be going on. And then he says in the middle of that, there's going to be distress of nations. That means anguish and trouble are going to be going on all around us. So how do we as God's people in the middle of the end times with those kinds of things going on, How do we deal with it? My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. I give you a peace that will sustain you in the middle of these things. And then he goes on to say, with perplexity, there's going to be distress of nations with perplexity, which means there's no way out and there's no answers. Now we're going to be, we are living in those times now and it's going to increase and we're going to be right in the middle of it. But he said, don't you get caught up in it. Let not your heart be troubled. When you look at those things, John tells us that. And it's, and it's you know, explaining similar cir- circumstances. And he said, in the middle of the distress and the perplexity, you are different. You are my children. And you let my peace rest upon you. You let my peace operate through you. And don't allow your heart to be troubled. And so that's what, that's what he's telling us. All these things are going to be happening. Then verse number 26, men's hearts failing them for fear. Men's hearts failing them. You know what that sounds like? Heart attack. Men's hearts failing them. The heart stops because of fear, because they look around and because they're seeing all the things that are going on and they know there's no answer and there's no way out within themselves. But you see, God says, lift up your head and look because your redemption draws nigh. And that's what we're to look forward to, the redemption. Amen? Look forward to what God has said. Now, Matthew 24, 6, and I'm not going to turn you there. Again, it's, it's describing similar uh, circumstances and events that are going on. And he says, see that you are not troubled. Okay, now who has to see to it that you're not troubled? I do and you do. Because if you look at it at face value, you'll be troubled. But he said, see to it that you are not troubled in the middle of all this stuff that is going on in the earth. I tell you, sometimes when I I don't like to watch the evening news, and if I have anything to say about it at my house at 6.30, I watch local, and then it's off. You know why? Because I don't like, I mean, why don't they just say the bad news hour? Because they don't tell you, it's not news of what's happening around the world. It's bad news. Because there's a lot of good things that are happening. But they want you to see the bad news, the hearts, you know, failing for fear and the earthquakes and the famines and all that stuff. We know it's there, that's for sure. But in the middle of that, God's got a light shining in this world too. But, you know, they're not interested in that. See to it that you are not troubled. You know what that word troubled means? See to it that you're not agitated. See to it that you don't have an inward commotion going on inside of you. And it also has to do with calmness of mind, taking away your calmness of mind. When you're troubled, you're not calm in your mind. There's an internal struggle. There's commotion, a war going on inside you. And he said, see to it that you are not troubled. Amen? 
John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives or offers you, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. What's he saying there? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. So then that means that we have something to do with that. Isn't that right? See what, you know, what we many times as, uh, you know, human beings, what we want to do is we want to say, well, it's all up to God. But he said, don't you let your heart be troubled. You have control over that inward commotion. Uh, when your calmness is, of mind is being affected, you have a control over that. Let not this agitation be there or remain there. Amen? All right. Let not or don't allow your heart to be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, fear is huge in the life of of a human being. There's so many things to cause and produce fear in our life. But he said, don't be afraid. Trust God. Now those seem like small words, but my, how hard they are to walk that out. Don't be afraid. Well, that's easy for you to say. I didn't say it. God said it. And there's been plenty of times when I've been so afraid I'd be shaking in my boots. But he said, do not allow yourself to be troubled, agitated, your calmness taken, and, and, and be troubled in that way. Don't allow it to happen. Let my peace be there to help you. And so I choose peace, don't you? So, you know what I like to say? The presence of peace will drive out fear. The presence of peace will drive out fear. Make it leave. You can't have fear and peace at the same time. Now, I can tell you this. You can have peace in your heart and maybe that fear trying to be in your thoughts and your mind. But you can still... Walk in the Spirit and not fulfill what your flesh is trying to get you to walk out. We've been, we've been learning about that. Amen? So we don't give permission for this troubling to take place. We don't permit it. We don't give permission there. I'm going to tell you, the Lord's not going to automatically come and, and establish peace in your life, in my life. He's not going to do that. He's given us the principles of the scripture, and he said, don't allow the fear and the agitation, the troubling to be in your heart. So he's not going to rain down peace from heaven. That peace is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. And it produces a fruit called peace. If you will cultivate it, foster that in your life, be aware that it's possible and that you don't have to live a disturbed life all the time. That means so much to me. It really does. So we don't have to wait on God to bring peace, but we take the initiative. Can you say amen? amen. So peace then is to prevent your heart from being troubled. Peace will prevent your heart from being troubled. Allow that peace to come in. Amen? Now, listen to this in Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. See, that, that's a confession. Lord, you will keep my mind in peace because it is stayed or established or on a firm foundation in you. My mind is stayed upon you, not stayed upon the famines and the earthquakes and the trouble and the distress and the perplexity, but my mind is stayed upon you. See, God said all these things are going to happen. Darkness is going to be in the world and gross darkness upon the people. So we know that's going to be here, but he said in the middle of that, don't be disturbed and keep your peace. And those words are spoken for us.
You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So what we have to do, we have to get our minds focused and centered and our thoughts upon God and not upon our circumstances and not all the things that are going on around us, but on him. Amen. Now I'm going to tell you something. You get your thoughts upon God And how do you get your thoughts upon God? Just thinking about the Heavenly Father, how good He is, how wonderful He is. Yes, you can do that. But you have to take it a step further. Your thoughts have to be established upon the Word of God. See, Romans tells us, be updated in your thinking. Our thinking would be, I'm afraid. Normal human thinking would be, all this stuff is going on the earth, I'm afraid. That's normal human thinking. But when our minds are stayed upon God and His Word, we begin to be established in what He tells us. And that is that we can have the peace in the middle of all these troubling things that are going on in the in, related to the end times that we're in right now. And you see, many times we don't associate what's going on in our life related to the end times. But I can tell you this, and I really believe this, I believe that there's a step up in the demonic realm in activity to try to wear out God's people. And you know, Daniel said that. He said, in the last days, they will try to wear those demon forces will try to wear out the saints of God. And so it's all around us. But you see, if our mind is stayed upon Him, He can keep us in perfect peace. My goodness, I don't know how He can do that, but He said He would, and I believe He will. I believe He does, don't you? Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. I want to live by the Spirit. I want the mind of the Spirit, don't you? Because the mind of the Spirit will bring you life and peace. So we can deliberately choose to fill our minds with the spiritual things, or we can, you know, choose otherwise. But if you're going to fill your mind with spiritual things, I want us to talk just a minute. What what is something that you can do to fill your mind with spiritual things and walk in the Spirit? Can anybody think of something? Well, I'm not hearing you. Music, okay, good godly worship music. Yeah, you could do that. Study, that would be a way. The people you you associate with. The habits that you have. And what are those habits? Bible reading habits, prayer habits, praise habits. Coming to church habits. Wouldn't you think that those things would be the habit that you need to have, habits that you need to have? So we can... Fill our minds with spiritual things uh, through books that we read. Or you can fill, you know, your mind with things that, you know, uh, read things that cause the fear to be there, that cause you to disbelieve what the Scripture says, associate with people who don't love the Lord or they're half-hearted in their relationship with God. That doesn't mean that you treat people wrongly if you're... But I'm talking about association in that you buddy with, that you do things with, and those kinds of things. We can be kind and friendly to everybody, but you you don't want those kind of people to come, you know, be pulled in and you become close with them because those associations can drive your peace away instead of bringing your peace to you. And we have to learn those things. If you live life, you learn that, don't you? You know, people are, you know, they might be, you know, precious people in the sight of the Lord, but if they're not sincere about living for God and you are, you can see your peace go. Amen. Did you know also a good habit um, that keeps your mind stayed on the Lord is working in the house of God? It'll help you. It really will. Staying plugged up. Staying connected. Belonging. That's important. Amen. 
Now, there's two specific ways I want to talk to you about for our minds to be kept in peace. One of them uh, is in Philippians 4. I want you to turn there with me. Philippians 4. And uh, we're going to read verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. What is he saying there? Be anxious or don't worry about anything. That's what he's saying. He's not talking about, you know, if you're going to cross the street, you know, you don't need to look. That's not what he's talking about. You know, some people, I'm, really, they get really unusual thoughts about these kinds of things. But he's saying, don't worry or have anxiety about anything. Wow. How can you do that? Well, I'll just have to tell you, I don't think I've made it yet. Have you? But I'm striving for it. I'm really striving for it. And I do know that when I get into anxiety and I do start worrying, I do know this scripture. And because I have renewed my mind, it will come to me and get me back on course and get me corrected. But you see, if you don't put it in, it's not going to do that. You know, well, that's just life. That's just the way he, we are as human beings. It's not the way that born again, washed in the blood Christians are. Shouldn't be. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's he saying right here? He said, instead of being upset and fretting over and being worried and anxious about everything that is going on in my life, he said, bring it to me and pray about it and ask me to do something about it. Well, is that just for Nora King? No, it's for you too. Every, every born-again Christian. And he's saying, don't worry, don't fret, but trust me. Trust me. And in everything, I tell you, I, I am learning, I'm learning more about prayer. And it is, pray about everything. Pray about everything. It doesn't matter what it is, pray about it. God, just help me to pick out my clothes this morning. You know, um, uh, just uh, help me to put my makeup on. Bless these people I'm going to talk to. Help me to have the right words for them today. Lord, that homeless person I see out on, on the side of the road, help them and, and provide for them and show them that there's a, a way out of that mess. Lord, that man that's standing up there and holding that sign that says that he needs gas and he's lying because he's up there every morning, help him to work his way through that. I'm telling you what I pray. Come on now. Lord, help that struggling single mom that doesn't know how she's going to make it financially. Provide for her. Give her somebody to help her with those children that she's just overwhelmed and, and doesn't have a, a husband and the father of those kids to help her out. Give her somebody that will have mercy on her and help her with those kids. See, don't worry. Don't get anxious. But in everything, pray. And then he says, this peace can come to you. Now look at it. And the peace of God, which passes all human comprehension, shall keep your hearts and, what's that next word? Minds through Christ Jesus. Well, I want us to look at that for a minute. It says it will keep, it will protect. And, and you know what this word keep means? It, it's a military term, and it has to do with a guard or garrison. You know, uh, uh, the, the uh, many people, guards that are there to surround. And the peace of God will guard, protect, put a hedge around your heart and your mind... Now, what is the next part of it? 
through Jesus Christ. See, this provision of faith or, or peace comes through Jesus Christ. That's how we get it. Through Jesus. Amen? But this garrison, this military protection, if you will, angelic help comes to keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Have there ever been a time where you say, Lord, if you don't do something for me, I just feel like I'm going to lose my mind. Well, He's done something for you. He's provided. Amen? So what does He keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus from? The devil. Demon powers. He protects us from that. Now that's a promise, and I like that promise. He protects us from the enemy. Can you say amen? amen? The second way that our minds are kept in the peace of God is found in Psalms 119 and verse number 16. Now, or not 16, but 165. As I was reading that, I realized that this Psalm 119, it is so long. And if you, you've read it, you know... Uh, if you've read the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. But some believe that Psalm 119 was written by Daniel. Now, you remember Daniel was in the lion's den, wasn't he? You remember that story? And the lions, you know, were hungry, had not been fed, and uh, they had really been starved, ready for Daniel to be thrown in there. Wouldn't you think Daniel needed to have some peace that day that that happened? Okay, let's read this psalm. Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. You know what? If we love the Word, we stay in it, we obey it, and we do it. That love, see, we read that and sometimes we're not really seeing what it says. Love thy law. That love the word of God. That loves what God has given us uh, uh, commandments and guidelines uh, to live by. The words he has spoken and he says, if you do this, I'll do that. And Daniel said, he spoke it. And he said, great peace have they that love your law. If you remember reading that story, though, there's one thing. You know, when, when the king uh, threw uh, Daniel in the lion's den and Daniel went to sleep in there. But you know what? He had great peace. I think he, when he, if he was the one who really wrote that, he knew what he was talking about. But the king, what, he was up all night. He couldn't sleep. He didn't have any peace. But see, Daniel loved the Lord, loved his word and was a prayer warrior. You remember he had opened that window, throw that window open and pray morning, noon, and night. So he knew about prayer, and he knew about God's Word, His law. Amen? We must love the Word of God. If we want our minds to be stayed on, on God and in His peace, then we need to be people who love the Word. Let me say something to you. Some of you, you cringe when you hear us, you know, in church talking about the Word of God. You need to read the Bible. You need to read the I read it and I don't understand anything about it. Well, you know, I know what that's like because I spent time doing that. I'd read it because I knew I was supposed to, but I really wasn't understanding a lot. There's, there's a few things that will help you fall more in love with the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you what one of those is. Get you a translation that you can understand. Well, God only wrote one Bible, the King James. How ridiculous is that? The King James was written a long time after Jesus was on the earth, you know. So, now I, I believe, you know, that we need to protect the truth of the Scripture, and I don't think we need to, you know, take it and do wrong things with it, but there's good translations of the Bible that will help you to read it. And don't start back in the Old Testament. Start in the New Testament and read one gospel. I like to uh, tell people this. Read John and then go on into the epistles and read the New Testament. You don't, if you start with Matthew, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. See, so you're reading the same stories there. Now, you need to read them, but I'm talking about if you're starting out and you're trying to fall in love with the Word and with the Lord. 
read John and then read the other epistles and go through there in that translation. I love the Amplified. First time I read the Bible through was in the Living Bible. And I am telling you, I fell in love with the Word. But there's one other element in that. And you know what it was? I got filled with the Holy Spirit and it was like, you know, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I felt like I was could eat the Bible. You know why? Because everything I was reading after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I knew the Lord. I was born again. I had the Spirit of Christ. I had the Holy Spirit in that way. But I was not baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And consequently, many things I was reading was going over my head. But it was like I had on, um, you know, like right now, if I try to stand up here, I need reading glasses. I don't you know, see things as clearly as, as I need to without these. Well, it was like that for me that day when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was like I put on my spiritual glasses and everything I started reading was popping up off that page. I didn't know that. I'd never seen that before. God, you said that to me. I can do that. This is for me. I mean, it was just like everything. I, I underlined everything I saw in the Bible. Because it spoke to me and it didn't speak to me before. So I'm telling you, you know, if you want your mind stayed upon the Lord and you want to live in his peace, you need to be a person of prayer. I didn't talk really about Thanksgiving, but you need to be a person that gives thanks to God. Not just once or twice, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. You need to be a person who lives giving thanks unto the Lord and praise God. Let the fruit of your lips give praise. See, the fruit of your lips, your words, let them praise God. Let them bless Him. And it can bring peace to you. So through the prayer, the praise, the thanksgiving, and through loving the Word of God, you can bring peace into your life. Amen? That's possible. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to, I'm really not going to get you to turn here, but Philippians 4 and 9 says, The things that we've learned and received and heard, do them, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, look at that. See, we're to love the Word, we're to love God, love His law, love the Word, and then the things that you learn. You receive them. See, you can learn things, but you don't receive them. I, I was in a Bible study with people like that. I loved them. They were my friends. But they, they heard it, but they did not receive it. And consequently, because they didn't receive it, it never produced in their life. But, you know, we need to be people that learn and receive and hear and then after we learn, we receive, and we hear it, then there has to be some action in our life. Then we have to do something about what we hear in this law or word that we're to love. We've got to obey it. Just obey. Some people have a problem with obedience. They're just, they live life that way. You know, they're, they're rebels. Well, you know, there's... And this may sound funny to you, but there's one side of being a rebel that can be good at times. But there's a lot more wrong that can, you know, be there for a person who's rebellious. And what, what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about sometimes, probably rebel is not the word to use, but, you know, a, a person that's going to follow God, that God's calling to lead and to do something, they have to step out. They can't be in, you know, they can't be... Like everybody else, God requires them. And there's times you have to step out on your own and nobody else is around. And so people might call you what looks like a rebel. So that's what really I'm talking about, I guess. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't need to be rebellious people. And when we're taught from the pulpit or from the Bible or however it comes, we need to receive it and we need to do it. That's important to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Amen? Amen. Well, Isaiah 48, 17 and 18 says, I'll teach you to profit and I'll lead you in the way to go. If you hearken to my commandments, then you'll has, have peace as a river. That's my paraphrase, okay? Now listen to this. I'll teach you to profit. How many of you want to profit? Profit. 
benefit, be prosperous? Well, I do. And I will lead you in the way to go if you hearken to my commandments. Some people, I just need the Lord to lead me. I just need the Lord to lead me. I just need to hear His voice. Well, maybe He's speaking and you just need to hearken to what He said in His Word. Get on track and then you'll get the direction. And listen to what He says. If you hearken to my commandments, then you'll have peace as a river. Peace like a river. Do you ever remember singing that song, I've got peace like a river? See, that's where that's taken from. What a river flows, and it's steady. And I love to be out around the water, don't you? There's something calming and something peaceful about it. And he said, your peace is going to be like that river if you listen to what I tell you to do and obey it. See, that's hearken. You have to obey again. There's that word that's kind of hard for us to hear. Let's look then at a troubled believer versus a believer that lives in peace. And um, I'll just turn you here real quickly. Luke 10. Are you all with me or are you going home? Luke 10. Now, in, in the story that we're going to look at, it's two people in contrast. You've got Martha and you've got Mary. Now, it came to pass in verse number 38 of Luke 10, as they went, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, Martha would be a person that you would call hospitable, wasn't she? She received him, received Jesus into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, look at the contrast. Here's Martha. She receives Jesus into her house. She's getting ready, we can see, to you know, take care of the people, this entourage that came in with Jesus. Somebody figured it up once, and I don't know how they did it, but they said there were 83 people with Jesus. How would you like to open your home to 83 people? Now, I've had a, I've had a lot of people in my house, but not 83. Now, if that's true. But now listen to this. Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all these people alone? Bid her that she comes and helps me. Now see, I want you to look at the contrast. Mary was a person that chose to sit, sit at Jesus' feet. And there she found what she needed. And she didn't want to get up and go help Martha do what Martha had to do. Now, was, did Martha have things to do? Yes. Was it legitimate? Yes. And we may have legitimate things that we have to do. And we may, they may have to be carried out for sure. But we can either be a Mary or we can be a Martha. Now, let's keep reading. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I want you, let's just go down through here and let's look at that. Jesus answered Martha, who was all caught up in care, and Jesus said, you are careful, you're troubled, and you have anxiety about many things. You're troubled in your mind, trying to figure out, how are you going to get all of this done? How many of us spend so much of our time worrying and fretting about how we're going to get done what needs to get done? But God said, if you'll choose to be like Mary and sit at my feet first, first, then you can get up and do the serving. But if you choose to do it Martha's way, you're going to have no peace. 
See, and it takes self-discipline to sit at the feet of Jesus. What is sitting at the feet of Jesus today? It's opening your Bible, letting Him speak to you, reading the Word, loving His law, praying, talking to God, sitting at His feet, and then you will find this peace that passes all human comprehension. It will drive the trouble out, and then you can get up and go, and you don't have to work harder. You can work smarter. I really believe that. I really do. But it takes self-discipline to sit at the feet of Jesus. Why? I don't know if you're like me, but I can remember when we first started the church and Eddie and I made a decision that we were not going to work in the secular world anymore. We made that decision. I mean, that was so hard to do that for me because it's like, I want to go to work. I want to earn, you know, a salary. I want to I want to make sure we have what we need. But God said, no, don't you do that. See, everybody can't do what we did. So we told our story and people try to do it and it doesn't work. We did what God told us to do at that time. So every morning, I would get up early. I'd get up early and I, I'd go into a certain room in that house and I would start reading and I would start praying. And I would look around and I would just look and on that coffee table, my goodness, I just dusted that. Look at that dust on there again. So I'd run in there and get my dust cloth and I'd start dusting that table, you know. And then, I'm sorry, Lord, and then just go back, you know, here I go again. In a few minutes, I would look over there, and I'd look up at the draperies, and I'd think, my goodness, those things, you know, they're just out of line. I need to get up there, and I need to fix those things, get that, you know, get that right, get it looking good. You know, I like to walk when I pray, go in the kitchen, there's the dirty, you know, maybe a few dirty dishes in the sink. I think, man, I need to take care of them. You know what? It took self-discipline to make myself stop doing that. Jumping up every, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus and every few minutes I'd want to jump up and go out. Excuse me, Jesus, I'll be back in a minute. I know you have something terrific to say, but I don't have time. I have to dust. I have to vacuum. You know, and you guys, it's going to be something else, you know, with you. And it's just the way it is. But, but we need to be more like Mary and we need to sit at Jesus' feet and receive from Him. And this peace can flood our lives and our very being and the anxiety and the worry and the fear. You know, folks, when you're fretting over, you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Or, you know, your kids are not acting right. Or something in the relationship with your spouse is not the way it needs to be. Or there's something on the job. You know, it, life is full of that. And I told you, the closer we get to Jesus' coming, I believe the worse those kinds of things are going to be to try to perplex God's people and distress them. But we've got to be and choose to be like Mary and discipline ourselves and sit down at the feet of Jesus until we receive this peace and whatever it is that we need from the Lord. And that is possible. My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives you peace. I give you a peace that passes all the understanding that this world can even look at and say, how, how could that be? How is that? They can never figure it out. And you know, if we don't do it God's way, we'll never figure it out either. One last thing. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us what to do with the cares and the worries to receive His peace. And He says, cast your care upon me, for I care for you. You know what that tells me? We are not made to bear burdens and carry anxiety and worry and all of that. We're not made. He said, take the care that comes upon you because I know it comes. Because I lived in the earth and I was touched with the feelings of your infirmities and your weaknesses and what came upon you come upon me, but I made it. And because I made it through it victoriously, I'm going to give that to you. You can overcome it. And you can cast that care upon me because I care. In the Old Testament, it says, cast your care 
upon the Lord and He will sustain you. You know what that word sustain? I love it. It means lift the weight. See, cares bring weight that try to weigh you down in life, that try to steal and rob your peace and your joy and your relationship with God. They come to steal from you. But we don't have to live there, do we? We don't have to live there. So He will sustain, He will lift that weight from you. All those heavy burdens, you know, that the world can put at your doorstep and just, you know, just ring your doorbell, just heap it up and ring your doorbell and then want you to answer it and receive it. But you see, we don't need to receive the cares. We need to receive the peace. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.